Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hi, and welcome back to this week's edition of EST. We're in the house with Josh and Sam hanging out, and we are gonna, we're going to talk about something today that I think is fascinating. How does the established church pastor handle the megachurch down the road? which is an interesting conversation that we're increasingly finding uh, an important conversation because even though there have been certainly breathless reports out there that the megachurch is dying, the, the, the opposite is true. We're actually seeing megachurches, they're growing in both number and size. We actually have a category now called gigachurch, 10,000 plus. Wow. And they're growing. They're multiplying. We're seeing more. In fact, there are some arguments that there are certain denominations where there are actually more members of their denomination who attend mega churches than uh, than than the smaller churches, um, and so you know, there are multiple de- denominations where that may now actually be the case. And so, um, you know, we're we're at a time when mega churches are rising, but at the same time, the population is growing. There's a need for more and more and more churches. And uh, like my all of our friend, I guess would say Ed Stetzer likes to say, you know, that God has used the house church to grow the gospel and to, to advance the gospel in China. He uses the mega church in Korea. Let's hold our models close, uh, loosely, and hold Jesus closely. So we want to affirm models. But how can we, whether we're pastoring a small church or a large church, how can we work together to advance the gospel? Kind of the topic, Josh. Let's start with you because you live in this area in the Dallas, Fort Worth metroplex. That is rapidly growing. It's also mega church central because they're like, you know, a church of 2000 in Dallas is not a large church. It seems like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's these huge churches all over the place and uh, you pastor a church. that's not a mega church, but they're all around you and they're increasingly coming around you. How do mm-hmm. you view them and how do you engage with them? Well, I, you know, n- I think it's an interesting topic. If we were going to call this, which I, I'm sure the title of this talk will be the mega church down the road. And for us in the Metroplex and for an increasing number of people, particularly in large suburban areas, the mega church is no longer down the road. They're across the street because of the campusing model that's coming in. And so there's some plays with that. I think you're always going to deal when I was in a rural East Texas, there was always that one church on the outside of town or downtown that, you know, they had the biggest Christmas uh presentation or whatever, and people kind of talked about them. Um, I, I think for me on two levels. So if the, if the gospel is preached, blah, 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 I'm excited about that. That's, that's, you know, that's my I think he just said that the gospel is blah, 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 Sam. Did <laughs> yeah, you hear that? That's what I, the gospel, blah, blah, blah. That's what I, know, I I'm just going to be honest with you guys. That's, <laughs> I, I know that theologically I'm good about that, but I will also say on the other side of that, I struggle with it with a lot of, I think there is the carnal side of me that just really struggles with um, wanting to be competitive, wanting to, you know, getting really tired of being compared to Matt Chandler and every millennial in Dallas attends Who, the to village. To be clear, you're a fan of Matt Chandler. Big fan of Matt Chandler. Yeah, okay. I love Matt Chandler. I love their their thoughts, the the way their church operates. I love what they kind of push the convention to do and, and churches in general. Uh, big fan of them. Also, you know, not too far from here. Yeah, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Tom Rainer. The guy has this list where he, uh, the top 500 churches, right? Um, he and 
what's the other organization that Oxano? They put, put that together. Yeah, I was actually work. I was actually yeah. Anyway, that was my baby when I was working at Lifeway. So you know, go ahead right. and, and just so say, what, list, say whatever you want to say about it. Just I'm speak about carefully. To. I'm about to say it. <laughs> the 500 top list. If you look at that top 500, three of the top 10, not 500, 10. Three of the top 10 are within 10 miles of my campus. Um, so we are in massive church land, massive church land. And like you said, 2000 is a small church around here. So it becomes increasingly difficult in which it is a very real reality that when a campus opens up across the street from us or down the road from us, it negatively affects sort of the way we do things. And so we chart our, our first time guests. We had a campus come in of an of a mega church. It wasn't Baptist, but a mega church came in very Baptistic, and we could see a noticeable decrease in the number of people who were visiting, visiting us because there's a bigger net out there, sort of in front of us. So and, let, uh, let, 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 me, let me push back just a little bit, if I can. Maybe not push back, but just let's let's push for clarity here. Okay. Uh, because I would say, I mean, I've known you for years, Josh. Mm-hmm. You would say that you're a fan of large churches, right? Yes. You're grateful yep. for them. So what's the objection really? Because, on, on, I mean, the objection is not just large churches near you, right? I mean, praise God for people. The objection is deeper than that, more... Um, Missiologically. There you go. There's a missiological concern. So let's talk about this, because it's not just a big church, small church concern. I mean, you're talking about something different uh, than just mm-hmm. that. Yeah, the way I often say it is, um, so we know we have listeners that aren't Southern Baptist, but um, for those who are not Southern Baptist, there is a program that we're extremely proud of. And I know all three of us are big fans of what we call the cooperative program. It means that we cooperate together. I pastored the founding church of the cooperative program for a season. Well, amen. And so we love the cooperative program, but here's what I often say. Cooperation needs to be a thing we actually do and not just a program we support. And it feels very non-cooperative when a campus of a church that is extremely like-minded opens up right across the street from you without speaking with you or without kind of trying to attack that city together. The concern is not larger churches nearby. Praise the Lord for those. I mean, we want more Mm -hmm. and more churches because they reflect more and more people responding to the gospel. The concern is, I would say, two things. Number one. Uh, what I would call the Walmart syndrome, where Walmart comes into a town and then sucks up all the mom and pops, right? They all can sort right. of fade out of existence because of it. So mm-hmm. that is problematic if, if because ultimately that doesn't serve to advance the gospel as much as it, is, it serves to consolidate the gospel. Okay. And then the second concern is a lack of partnership, which I would argue the book of Philippians is entirely about partnering together for the advance of the gospel. I know everybody says Philippians is about joy. I think that's secondary. Partnering together for the advance of the gospel, that's the dominant theme in Philippians, among other areas in Scripture. So your concern is not ultimately big church, small church, because the things you're concerned about could be true in a small church as well. Are, I think do, that's true, yeah. Do we have yeah. a desire to actually cooperate? Do we have a desire to work together? Are we partnering to advance the gospel? And are we in competition with the other folks around us? Those are your concerns. Am I right? I think so, and I think that's the way it feels. And I do want to go on record because two out of those three churches in this area are really great. And I really like them. So and, tell us uh, about the one that's not really great. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, tell you. Now you've I'm got not going to tell you, but I will say Prestonwood and the Village are awesome. <laughs> Prestonwood and the Village are fantastic. The Village is so great. I think Prestonwood is great, and you would never put those things together, but 
I know Jack Graham. I, I love that man. I think he's he loves the gospel. I think he loves people. I think he's incarnational in Plano, Texas with the gospel. And they have a campus, which I think is extremely incarnational. And I love the campus pastor there and the preaching pastors. They're fantastic church. I have nothing against that. And they're not even the ones I'm really kind of thinking about. But there is sort of sometimes, and it doesn't have to be a big church anymore. Everybody's campusing. Um, is that lack of uh, partnership. And um, that's what I think kind of is is troubling. So, Sam, let's talk about this from your perspective. Um, you've pastored a number of different churches, everything from that first church you pastored. How many people did you say you guys had? My mega church of six people. That's right, the six. Did you guys campus at that church? <laughs> um, we had... We had one lonely campus, just Every, one lonely campus. You had six, six members. They come from two families, so you had two campuses every time they went home. Um, okay, so from your view, how do you think through you know, the big church down the road? Um, how do you view them? And, and here's a question, I think, for both of you guys, because both of you are in – Josh, how many folks do you guys run on a typical Sunday? About 300. About 300. Sam? Yeah. Seven to 800. Seven to 800. Okay, so you're both in the midsize range. You're both – significantly larger than the average evangelical church in North America. So I would ask, I guess, Sam, first, how do you respond to the larger church down the road? And then secondly, what are you guys doing to serve those churches that are the typically sized evangelical church? Well, um, we do have a larger church right down the road. There's a the 60-something largest church is literally on the same road as us, um, but it's a campus. It's not their, you know, their big mothership campus. Um, they probably average uh, about seven, eight thousand in attendance. So they're ten times larger than us across five or six campuses, and and it really, it it doesn't affect us that much. Um, one, we're in a community that is largely unchurched and certainly not the Bible Belt. I mean, we have a few churches around here, but they're not many. It's not like Dallas, Texas. I'll just right. say that Bradenton, Tampa area is not is not like that at all. Um, but I guess my concern for any for any church, it, this wouldn't just be small or large, but for any church, is there are some mega churches, and let's just define a mega church. It's any church of two thousand or larger in weekly attendance. Right. Um, and by the way, the median church size is seventy five people. Um, so your your right. the vast regular old, are smaller. Yeah. Yeah. The, the regular old church is about seventy five people. So there's a big disparity there. But I guess whether your church is 75 or a church of 2,000, I would just ask ask the question. It's a missiological question. You know, are, how are you attempting to grow? Because if it's by transfer growth, if, if right. you know, there are if there are churches, there are churches out there that have that strategy. You know, we're just going to put on a better show, yeah. um, and we're going to be the best, and that's just going to draw people from other churches. I mean, that is that is uh, something I believe God will judge ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's a very serious offense. But if you're approaching it from, hey, we're going to use these massive resources for the glory of God to to reach the unchurched, and we're going to help a lot of little churches along the way, that's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, it's a lot of its approach. And then the second thing that I would say is the concern that I do have for some of these larger churches, particularly those that have built 10,000-seat auditoriums, is the long-term viability of yeah, that model. Right. You know, right. it— it works now, and it has worked beautifully for 20 years or 30 years. You, you go back to 1980, the year that I was born, I mean, you're talking, I mean, there were just a handful of megachurches. And then this, 
this phenomenon has just exploded, you know, in the last three decades. And I, I have some serious questions about the long-term viability of some of the models of the megachurch, not all. I think there will be many that continue on and continue on strong. Right. But um, I, I, do, I do have some, some serious questions for, for some of the models uh, that, that are out there because I don't know that they're sustainable. Yeah, and I think let's talk about that here in just a second, because, again, I think this is a conversation about the way we approach our own context and the way we serve other churches around us. So uh, here's just a few examples from from my experience. Um, And this started way back when I was pastoring a a church that was significantly smaller than the median-sized church, evangelical church. We just decided early on we don't want to take members from other churches. Now, every church is going to have some folks come on occasion, and I would say there are some times when there could be a legitimate reason why someone needs to transfer a church, so we'll admit that right off the bat. But but let's say that that should be the exception rather than the rule in our churches. The majority of the new people coming into our church either should be moving into the community and already believers or non-believers who we're helping make disciples. Now, the reality is there's very few churches in the country doing that. But I think there are some steps we can take to help facilitate that so that we're a blessing to seeing the gospel advance in our community and we're a help to the other churches. So, for instance, we started developing this letter, I don't know, years ago, church I pastored, that we would send a first-time guest when they would fill out a little visitor's card. And if, it, if they indicated on that visitor's card, I'm a member of a local church, and they would tell us what that local church was, or even if they didn't tell us what the local church was, they just indicated I'm a member of a local church, we would send them a letter that said, thank you so much for being our guest this week. We appreciate you being here. Um, we hope that we've been able to bless you and encourage you and serve you. However, we want to be a blessing and an encouragement to <clears throat> the churches in our community, and we believe that membership is more important than just moving from church to church. And so we want to encourage you to go back and be faithful at your local church. And uh, while we recognize that there are occasionally times where someone might need to move from one church to another, we would ask you, if you want to pursue that track, that you come speak to a pastor first before you pursue membership in our church. Uh, That's a little more wordy, maybe not exactly the words we used, but basically that was the sentiment in the letter. What we're trying to do is be a blessing to the churches in the area. Now, we didn't tell any of the other churches in the area that we were doing that because the point wasn't so that they would know that we're a blessing. We just wanted to be able to serve them and wanted to be able to make sure that we're focusing our efforts on those who don't know Jesus. So I think there's some ways that we can do this regardless of our size where we're contributing to the advance of the gospel, the kingdom uh, efforts of our local community. What are some ways that you guys have been helping lead your church, both to focus on unreached rather than churched, uh, churched people, and secondly, ways that you've been helping to serve other churches in the community so that you can pull together to advance the gospel? Josh? Well, I think on two levels, the church, so I'm very involved in the the revitalization conversation. And so our church, through our elders and even on a broad level, recognizes that my help for other churches, particularly dead or dying churches, is part of my pastoral work here. So if I'm at a deacon's meeting at another church, then that's okay. That's what I'm, I'm doing my job. And so we are constantly going into churches that are hurting. There's, like you said, there's not... We are the land of the megachurches, but we all we, there's just thousands of tiny little churches. In our association, there's over 350, and that's just our one little county. Um, so there are a ton of churches that need help. So we go in and do those. Another thing that we try to do is share our resources because we are not – we're not a huge church, but we do have a gym. We do have vans. We do have staff. And so a lot of our uh, – you know, we hardly – I encourage the staff all the time. 
it should be rare that you do a thing like a camp or a VBS or something by yourself. So every mission trip that we do, if we're going to go ahead and plan it, we invite all the churches in the area. If we're going to go ahead and and it's not a matter of building up sort of like our women's. We have a once a year women's conference and there's more women there than we have coming to our church regularly. And the way we do it is we brand everything without our name on it or we give them something where they can put their logo on it because it becomes their women's conference as well. And so we come together and share those resources in a way, not just uh, the resources that are easily transferable, but also the time and the energy. We feel like we should invest in the kingdom as much as possible. And that really is resources and missiology is really what drives me crazy about this conversation. It's not just the megachurches, the plants. When you're when you're Southern Baptist and 400 people are planting in schools around you and they're Southern Baptist and they haven't talked to you. Like, not that they need your permission, but just say, hello, I'm starting a church in your town, and you're the biggest church in the town, or you're one of the churches in town. It feels a lot like, thanks for the cooperative program dollars, now I'm going to talk trash about the First Baptist Church because we're not that way. So I think the cooperation really is a problem for me. Yeah, I, I would add that if you're talking about churches helping each other and not hurting each other, it all starts with the pastors of each mm-hmm. of those churches, the, the lead, so true. lead pastors. And so you, you've asked the question, okay, what do we do to reach the unchurched? What do we re, what do we do to help um, other churches? Well, one of the first things that, that I did here was I just got a list of all the churches and tried to find as many pastors as I could and just lunches, relationships. And in talking to them, I've kind of learned, okay, these are the struggles of this church, which are different than ours. This, you know, this church could use us in this way. So, developing those relationships to me, if if I don't have the the cell phone number of the vast majority of pastors in my community, and I can text them and just be like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, you're gonna you're gonna think, well, some of those mega church pastors are completely closed off and good luck getting a an audience with them you have you to talk what? to their secretary yeah 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 and by the way that is the biggest pet peeve of mine it's mine like, too yeah you know, it's like oh you need to call my assistant and, and i'm no we're both pastors if you're a pastor don't do that don't do if that I, I mean the first time okay but if we've had coffee like four times and i still have to call linda uh to schedule a 15 minute i had to schedule a phone call one time I'm going to call him in two days. Yeah, is, that, that, is that fine? Yeah. yeah, don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess what I'm saying is the, the relationship between pastors is key because if that's not there, I mean, there'll be always people that kind of work with each other in a community just because they have family or they know people. But unless right. the pastors are working together, it, it, it likely won't happen. So you, you've got to have those those relationships. You reminded me of something else. You know, this whole transferring of membership type of thing, it breaks down really bad if the elders of the two churches don't communicate to one another. And so we wait, have— Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say elders? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, you know. No, no, for the Good record, tech. Josh has said cooperative program and elders— in the same in the conversation, same po- in, in the same podcast, yeah. you are oh, very, conf- I just you are very conflicted. Maybe man, this Josh. is the reason nobody works with me. I'm I just, I don't fit in any. I'm a square peg. But the, um, so some you got this transfer of letters, which we don't typically accept transfer of letter here. You've got our not statement. We don't accept statement at our church because you we need to talk to somebody and find out what you did. I can't tell you how many times churches have gotten in trouble. They call the previous pastor at that point. And they go, oh yeah. 
that dude's a pain. Why didn't you tell me? Because you didn't call. And so I, I think that communicating around one another with those troublemakers is helpful. That's a small step that saves you a lot of heartache and shows respect towards the other church that I think is just an easy thing to do, regardless of the size of your church. Yeah, I think this is one of those fascinating conversations that I'm, I'm a big believer that every church has a cascading responsibility to, to leverage their resources for the sake of gospel expansion while trusting that other churches are their partners rather than their competitors. And mm-hmm. so I think this scales based on the size, influence, and resources of your church. Um, but I think every church has a responsibility. I think every pastor has a responsibility to ask the question, how can I help other churches in my area advance the gospel? And mm-hmm. so, for, for instance, this is just an example that our, church, uh, that our church did. And our church is a little bit larger. So we have, for instance, a communications team. And uh, they create incredible resources. I mean, we've got a video director and a graphic designer. And anyway, we've got these folks, and they create these awesome resources. I realize that this is an asset that the vast majority of churches don't have access to. And it's expensive to get those sort of things. You hire artists, you hire graphic designers, those things are expensive. Unless you're Josh King and you're uber talented and you can do it all on your own. But for the rest of us dorks, you know, we're not able to do that. So we created a website called resourcethe.church, resource the church. And we're just taking everything that we create and we're putting it out there. And we're, it's always going to be free. Everything we create is free. The, the reason we're doing that is because we think we have an obligation to take the resources that we have access to and to make them available to other churches. So again, I think the idea is not so much bigger, smaller, more so it's partnership, faithful missiology, and a lack of competition and a desire rather to partner together to advance the gospel, recognizing that each of us have a cascading responsibility within our scope to leverage our resources for the advance of the gospel. Josh? Yeah, I just want to say as the small guy in the room, like the small smaller church, and I do realize that 300 is is by most standards large, but um, if you find yourself where I often do find myself feeling uh, disrespected or or feeling like um, like you're, you're thought to be nothing, a lot of those are just rooted in your own flesh. It's not reality. And when yeah. you go and spend time with these guys, That's right. the big evil monster at the mega church actually is a really great guy that God blessed his faithfulness and God has blessed uh, their work. And you're allowed to disagree with some of the missiological approaches to maybe – for me, I don't know if you picked up campusing. I have some missiological issues with that. However – those churches that are canvassing, I know are fantastic guys because I've actually talked to them. And those big mega church guys, you'll be surprised. You, you might think, well, they're so close. They're not going to return my call. Nine out of ten times, dude, they'll be the first one to call you. They'll come over and buy your coffee just because they're just, they're just genuinely nice guys. And you walk away from a guy that you thought was evil trying to take over the world <laughs> for his own little K kingdom, and he's not. And so I want to encourage you smaller church guys. Um, to realize that you're you're honored to be in your spot and work with those guys, and you might be the one that has to shake hands first. But he's busy. He's yeah. got twenty thousand people he's pastoring, so he's busy. When I was when I was a twenty five year, I think I was twenty four, twenty five years old. I I was I had been pastoring my first church for two or three years at that point, and um, 
there was a large church pastor had been there almost 40 years had grown you know the church had grown under his leadership from under 100 to over 4000 and he was kind of the big church in the area he was less than an hour away from me and i just I, you know i happened to be somewhere where he was at one day and i just thought you know what what the heck i'm just going to do it and so i just walked up introduced myself and i said i know you're probably going to say no but is there any way you'd be willing to give me just a little bit of time every month and he said i would love to and it started as a phone conversation. He brought me into a pastoral mentoring community that he was a part of, that he was leading every week. It, it's opened up doors. It, it's been amazing how much he shaped my life. But I learned early on to be a glutton for mentors, to pursue them every chance I get, and to be unashamed. I mean, all they can say is no. And I found mm -hmm. exactly what you found, Josh, that the vast majority say, that's fantastic. I'd love to have some time with you. Let's get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And so and the other thing I do is when I go to a meeting, um, and I'm, I'm with one of these folks. And I used to find it easy to demonize sort of big church pastors. And the more I would go to meetings with them and I'd find out how gracious and how much they love Jesus, you know, how gracious they are, how much they love Jesus, how much they care for their families. I was, so many of my myths in my mind got deconstructed. But I learned to never go to those meetings without a notepad paper and a series of questions that I'd already thought through in advance. I would sit down with them and say, all right, here are six questions I want to ask you about. Show me how to help answer, you know, these questions. And so just go be unashamed of asking them if they'd be willing to give you some time and don't kill them with request. Don't bombard mm -hmm. them. I have phone numbers for a lot of guys in my phone that I've never texted and I'm not going to, I'm not going to misuse that trust, but I am going to take advantage of opportunities I have, you know, to leverage those relationships. You know, another lesson I've learned in since I've already said their names, I'll say it again. The village and Prestonwood are two of the largest churches in Dallas village is very uber cool, you know, reformed elder led, all that sort of stuff. Prestonwood is very, Christmas presentation, big mega, like what you think of, traditional choir, all that sort of stuff. I have just, I have, I would encourage guys, if you're going to go and approach these mega church or these larger church pastors, don't only approach the ones that you're already drinking the Kool-Aid from. Like if you, I think Village is awesome, but I've learned so much and Prestonwood has been so incredibly gracious because as one of their staff members told us, look, God blessed us with money. We've got a lot of money. So we want to share those resources with other people. I'm not going to say which staff. Yeah, but, I think that would uh, be wise. But, so we're going to um, share those resources. You can mail that check to 1343rd <laughs> Street, West Bradenton, Florida. Listen, Thank you. you know I, I'd the, greatly appreciate it. The money that God's blessed them with is because they're good stewards. They give yeah, a ton away. Right. They, they, they right. took all these pastors in, paid for the hotel, gave them food, gave them time uh, with OS and Jack and, and Dr. Stephen Smith. Just... I, I've found that to be such a truth. I still have issues with trying to think through it, but it's no longer thinking that they're villains and just more thinking, I probably don't understand all the factors that they're thinking through. And so it would help me yeah. to spend some time with them. And I, that's what I want to encourage guys. I don't care if the big church is 500 or 600 or 20,000, like I have three of those in my, my area. That's fine. Just kind of go learn from them. Yeah, and you know a lot of the guys just just kind of a, a gut check for all of us. Um, I think a lot of the guys that complain about the mega churches and you know there's a bit of venom there. Um, if a mega church called them and said, "Hey, we'd like for you to consider being our pastor," many of them would be the first to jump <laughs> at it. They'd be the yes, yes, yes. So you you kind of need to do a, your own soul check in a lot of this as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm.
That's right. This is, I think this has been good. I think this is a really helpful conversation. And uh, we've actually reached out to a couple of these large church pastors who have just said they're glad to do some, some interviews with us, folks who have been faithful for a long ter- time. So those are going to be coming very soon. A couple of folks that are good friends that I think you're going to be really able to learn from, and I'm excited about that. Josh, why don't you close us down by telling them how they can uh, connect with us as we move from week to week. Man, as always, check us out on iTunes. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing. That helps so much. You want to continue to encourage other pastors, so make sure that you're doing that. And follow us on Twitter at EST Church is where you can find us. We we regularly will post some polls, some questions, things like that. Like recently, uh, we asked, are you having Christmas Day services? Find out that uh, about 84% of our people are of our followers are having Christmas services. Interestingly, 4% are not having services on Christmas Day, which is not very many, but I still think that's fascinating that there are churches that are not having service on Christmas Day. So, um, yeah, make sure that you follow us. Appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week.